This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Faith does not terminate in, 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 in intellectual claims. It, it, it terminates in a God, in the God who makes himself incarnate in Jesus Christ. Um, it's a personal faith, it's a relational faith, and it's an experiential faith. What does it look like to experience eternal life, the blessed life, now? In this conversation with Hans Borsma, he's a theologian, we talk about his most recent book, Seeing God, The Beatific Vision in Christian Tradition, and we talk about some practical steps forward to begin to recover an eternal life that is now and not just someday in the future. Listen in to my conversation with Hans Borsma. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of A Spacious Life. I love big ideas, but ideas have to move beyond an ivory tower to find their application in the midst of our work and our laundry routines. Here on the Finding Holy Podcast, expect conversations about how to live faithfully in a post-Christian world, but without the vitriol, posturing, or shouting across the aisles. In this season of the Finding Holy Podcast, we are exploring themes about going back in order to move forward. So whether we're looking backwards in time, in history, through theology, or even in our own stories, we're going to be talking about what does it look like to embrace our past so we can embrace our future. Stay with us. All right, we have a fun and exciting and interesting episode for you guys. Today, I am joined by Hans Borsma. He's the author of the book, Seeing God, The Beatific Vision in Christian Tradition. So thanks so much for being here. No, thank you for having me, Ashley. It's great to be with you. You are very welcome. So tell us, you know, for the non-theologian listeners, (laughs) tell us what is the beatific beautific i can't even say it this morning beautific yeah, right. vision <laughs> yeah. you're not the first one struggling with that one so oh, um, good. <laughs> the, the beatific vision is the vision of 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 the people who are beatus and beatus is a latin word that simply means blessed so it when we're with god in eternity um we will be eternally blessed and blessed is simply a fancy word for happy mm-hmm. um theologians often say you know god, um, God himself is perfect happiness, mm-hmm. perfect blessedness. And so, so when we see God, we're joining him in that, in that happiness of his. Um, so that's, that's what the beatific vision talks about. It's about our future, our being with God, our seeing God, um, a vision that, that makes us profoundly happy, more happy than we could possibly imagine today. Yes. Um, you talk a bit in your introduction about the importance of vision as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Could you speak a little bit about what what that means to see God um, and how you talk also about the ways in which, um, you know, that there is a sense in which we experience this now, 
versus, you know, heaven as right. something at the end of the age? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, those are two very big questions. I know. <laughs> and yeah. it's a very thick book, so <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> I'll do we won't get to everything now. No, no. I'll, I'll do my best. So you're, you're right that, uh, that I talk about the metaphor of, of, of vision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we, when, when we talk about vision in, in our everyday reality here on Earth, um, there's all sorts of objects that we see, you know, um, as I'm talking with you, I'm looking at my dog that's lying uh, in front of my desk there and, and she's an object, quote unquote, you know, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm watching, her, I'm looking at her and she's pretty quiet there. Um, the, so I am in some ways, at least in some important ways, quite distinct from her and she's out there and I'm, and I'm here. So I see her. It's, there's a vision of an object. I'm the subject that's watching the object, looking at the object. That's that's not what beatific vision is in the hereafter. So so even though we talk about seeing God, we or, or let me put it differently: when we talk about seeing God, we almost cannot but put it in earthly terms because we're earthly creatures, and we're, we're creatures of time and space. And so we put these things in the only way that we as creatures can, namely with language derived from this world. <laughs> And so we so so we say, well, we'll see God in the hereafter. But in some ways, we really don't quite know what we're talking about <laughs> because it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just a metaphor for for a union, for a, mm. a, a a a joining of God's happiness that's beyond beyond our linguistic capacities. We can't grasp it. We can't comprehend it. What it's going to be like, and so so it's a metaphor. I think it's 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 a uniquely suitable metaphor, which is why we talk about beatific vision and not say about beatific hearing or beatific touch or something else you know we could we could have picked any of the five senses in that in that sense but but we don't we we, we talk about beatific vision and the, the reason or, or reasons for that are well the bible talks a lot about seeing god in the in the after so the primary reason i think is simply what well, it's, it's biblical but then there's also something something that vision does and that none of the other senses do and that is, it, it expresses a, a, a union with the object. Even, even here on Earth, you know, when, when, when I'm looking at my dog, um, there, there is a sense in which, the ob, in which the object, the dog, you know, is, is internalized by me. I internalize that there's an image in, in, my, in my head. So, so with one quick glance, the, 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 ob, the, the dog gets transferred, transferred to me. And so... So the metaphor of vision is, I think, a really suitable way for us to talk about, about union with God. Now, as to the second part of your question about, you know, the relationship between now and, and then. Um, yeah, how to put this. So um, in, in the hereafter, we'll, we'll be, all our grief is gone. Our tears will be wiped away from our faces, says God in, in the book of Revelation. It, it'll, be, it'll be a happiness that's beyond our current imagination. And yet, and yet, you know, when I, when I take the dog for a walk, um, there, 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 isn't, there is a happiness, even in that very, very ordinary experience of walking the dog, going through the habits every day. There's a happiness in that, that, that that's not just reminding me or, 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 or that, that's not just saying, oh, you know, um, something, something greater is going to be then and there. No, I, I'm already in some sense tasting something or, or experiencing something, seeing something. 
of that of that greater happiness that's going to be then and there. So 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 there, there's a linking between here and now. Mm-hmm. Right. It, yeah. You talk about it. Right. Yeah. As not just. Yeah. Not just some future hope. Right. But that we somehow, exp- you know, God being outside time again, we don't have <laughs> we don't have the right. language or even capacity to really understand. But there is a sense in which heaven is here, too. Yeah. I often talk about it as, as it's, it's a sacramental presence of God here. So all, all these experiences that we have, these anticipations of, of, of eternal happiness, especially perhaps when you're contemplating on the scriptures, you do some meditative mm-hmm. reading or, or, mm-hmm. or something like that, and you're mm-hmm. experiencing moments of particular joy in God. Um, that, that medieval authors often talk about as, as contemplation. Um, there, 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 is, there is a sacramental joining of, of, of eternity and time, of heaven and earth, of the then and, and, and the now. Um, so that, that experiences now are, are ways that God makes himself present to us already, sacramentally. How do we, you know, what have we lost by, you know, particular views of eschatology uh, that just focus on, you know, that kind of divorce God from our, you know, like that, you know, our justification happened at one point and then we just kind of figure it out ourselves and we're going, you know, to this otherworldly sort of place. Um, and we don't have a, we don't have a sacramental lived experience maybe um a lot of christians probably that listen to this podcast may have grown up in those sorts of traditions um so how do we begin to recover some of this kind of everyday and you know sacramental knowing uh experience of god now yeah it's a great question and a difficult one um it's difficult because i think we all suffer to some extent, from the lack of experiencing these things for a variety of reasons. Um, the most obvious one being our own sinfulness and our own weaknesses and so on. Um, we, we treat the world as if it were separate from God because, because in our pride, we want to make it our own. And, and so we grasp for things and, and, and we treat these worldly things as ends in themselves. Um, rather than seeing them as means to God. Um, so, so when you do that, and we all tend to do that, um, you're, you're ignoring that link, that sacramental link that God has deliberately placed in the world for us to appreciate and for us as, as means to reach him. Um, so that, that's, the f- that's the first obstacle, and, and, and it's one that we shouldn't ignore. It's not just, you know, like we sound, like we were sometimes perhaps temp- tempted to, to to think, well, just those those guys out there or those people out there who who, who treat things in a non-sacramental way. We we all do, I think, and and especially in in our modern world, it becomes easy to do that. I think we are today particularly prone to that to that way of looking at the world as as just an autonomous, self-standing thing. And it's true what you're saying. Then there are then there are some of our of our traditions um, that that facilitate that even more, right? Like, right, right. Like I could I could like the way you you just put it in your question. Um, I could perhaps look at my my conversion or my justification experience as having happened uh, ten or fifteen years ago or whatever, 
and 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 then going from there and jump forward to the year after and then then things are going to be good meanwhile i still have to live in this miserable life here you know that's just the way things <laughs> right. are and i just have to pull myself up on my own bootstraps and just sort of push through um now, to the extent that we've we've perhaps grown up with that kind of an outlook on things, we, we we need we need we need a reminder, I think, of of what you what you said earlier, namely that no, actually God is already present with us today, and He carries us. We never pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We're, you know, it'd be plagiarism to say that. But God carries us all the way along, and and guides us with His own happiness, which is He Himself. With his own happiness, he carries us, he joins us, he lifts us up, and 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 as we make mistakes, he he forgives us and justifies us yet again, <laughs> and 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 on the last day, he's going to justify us yet again, yes, <laughs> and forgive us yet again, you know. Mm-hmm. So so there is a mixture of of falling down and standing up. Um, of of our faces turning dark because we've lost the sense of God's presence in the in the world around us, and our faces lighting up because we see the rays of God's presence there again. Um, one other thing to to say about this when you asked about you know what can we do, um, the most important thing I think is the embodied presence of God's people in church. Um, the liturgy is is the place where we enter heaven, and 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 I don't mean that as a metaphor. I mean that as as an ontological reality, where where God makes Himself present to us in word and sacrament. Um, and that means that that when we come together with God's people in the flesh, and when we partake of the body of the Lord in the flesh. Um, then we enter into heaven. So, so um, that's not just a reminder, as it were. No, we're, we're made present at that point, and and then when we're sent out again into the world, we 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 you could say we we carry heaven with us, and and we become an embodiment of heaven to other people. Um, and and so. You know, and the ecclesial reality, the churchly reality of things, seems to me at the heart of things. Um, and the other thing that 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 strikes me more and more as I go older is uh, contemplative reading of scripture has become really quite important to me. Um, you know, I've grown up in the scriptures. I, I I've always been part of Christian families and so on. I grew up, my dad was a pastor. I've always been with the scriptures. But but the older I get, I guess the more personal they become to me. And the more I realize that I couldn't possibly live without them. Uh, they, they become part of who you are. And and they they give me strength, encouragement, comfort in difficult times and all of those things. So um just to be with with the words that God gives in the scriptures are so important. Those are, I mean, there's numerous other things. <laughs> right. Those are yeah. No, that's really good. Are you worn out by hurry and hustle, and yet you don't know what it looks like to find a better way? Well, Jasmine Holmes called my book, A Spacious Life, 
balm for a weary soul. Tish Harrison Warren called it a needed tonic, and Jen Pollock Michelle talks about it as rescuing us from the siren call of self-help. Join these women as they have experienced both their own limits and seen how my book, A Spacious Life, helps all of us to embrace the goodness of our God-given limits. Find out more at aspacious.life. That's aspacious.life. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. For those, you know, as I'm just thinking, you know, for your average North American busy person who, you know, claims Christ and yet maybe for, for whom the scriptures are not so dear, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. maybe it, it's, it's all of these other things that we've been talking about. Um, could you help them? I would love to hear maybe a little bit about, you know, what particularly in your own life has, has got you interested, you know, in this particular area of study and, and what hope might you share with a person like that, who maybe is just kind of caught up in, in the busyness, um, and isn't, isn't, isn't really maybe transformed, um, you know, that, that belief feels like a check, you know, a checkbox of, uh, of a variety of things one assents to intellectually. Yes. Um, yeah. The, 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 the beliefs, uh, the contents of the faith are, are never sort of just, just, just theoretical concepts. They're never just sort of boxes, as you put it, that you check off. Um, they, they can turn into those things for us, and, and too often they threaten to do that, um, but they're not. Um, my, my primary motivation for, for doing this, study, I mean, there were, there were several of them, there were two or three, I, I guess, but the, but the most important one for me was, well, if, if in the hereafter um, I, I'm going to see God face to face, as as Saint Paul puts it, you know, First Corinthians thirteen twelve, that famous verse, right? That now we see in part, then we see, then we'll see face to face. If if that's truly the case, in in a way that I can't quite comprehend, then then surely I, I'd want to know more about it. Then I want <laughs> right. I, I, I want to you know I, I'd want to. Even intellectually, I'd want to understand more of it. I want to know more of what the scriptures say about it. I want to know more about what people before me have thought about it. All of those things. Um, 
one of one of the Puritans one of, in the seventeenth century once said, you know, you, if 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 there is going to be uh, if we're going to be walking in the New Jerusalem in the year after, then surely I want to walk. I want to take a, take a walk in 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 the New Jerusalem every day already here. Mm-hmm. And he meant mm-hmm. by way of meditation upon upon what what that would be like. In terms of you know when when we lapse into into these these sorts of periods or times where where things are darker for us and we maybe see the Christian contents as as just checkboxes ticked off. There there is no no how to. There's no you know the Christian faith is not a how to faith. There's no how to do this and how to get back. Um, there are certain habits that you have that hopefully developed as a Christian, um, which I think are really important to maintain even if and when you don't feel anything or when nothing is present experientially or whatever. The Christian faith, I'm convinced, is a very experiential faith. But, but no matter the absence or presence of, of it, um, the habits uh, uh, carry you through the dark times, I think, and through the difficult times. Um, and so um, one thing that I, that I would say is... is, is um, during those times, stay with it. Just keep, keep quote unquote, doing it because things don't always stay the way that they are right now. Um, things change. Things that will have a way of changing, and God has a way of changing them for you. So, so stick with it is is, is the most important thing. And and if you have if if there were listeners, you know, who had the intellectual conviction. Uh, which I hope nobody, really, which I really hope nobody does. But if you have the intellectual conviction that the Christian faith really is just about intellectual uh, truths, and that it is just a matter of ticking off certain boxes, well, I would say you know, repent, <laughs> repent. <laughs> <laughs> for yeah. for although the Christian faith has, has is is a very, is is a rational faith, although there are there are there are rational commitments, intellectual commitments. Um, Faith does not terminate in in in, in intellectual claims. It, it, it terminates in a God, in the God who makes Himself incarnate in Jesus Christ. Um, it's a personal faith. It's a relational faith, and it's an experiential faith. So um, that's why when you when you read the, the the Church Fathers, when you read the medieval authors, when you read the Puritans, I mean, they all you know they all turn to to the, to, to 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 the union that we that we long for. You know, and when it's absent, that, 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 that reality of that, when it's absent, then they'll say, I long to long for it, you know, like they don't mm-hmm. give up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did you, you know, in your very wide ranging study of, of what does it look like to experience the blessed life now? Yeah. You go from, you know, the desert fathers all the way through, um, what, what's, what, What's maybe the most surprising thread or most interesting thread that you noticed across East and West um, and across time as you've been studying? Yeah, well, working well on the- there have been a variety of eye openers to me, really, mm-hmm. which I've, one of, that's one of the things I've loved about doing this study. Um, there, there were things there that I discovered that I didn't expect to discover. And that, that was, you know, for, for someone who does, who, who writes for a living? That's kind of kind of a right. cool thing to begin with. It is, yeah. Um, 
but but the most intriguing thing and for me the most fulfilling thing spiritually too is the fact that that east and west catholic and protestant um many of the others not all to the same degree and, and in the same way but but many of these of these theologians um treat the beatific vision christologically so um there's differences of viewpoint on, on how to talk about these things. But I was surprised, really, by how many um, writers look to, to or have a hope of the hereafter of seeing Jesus. Um, they, they, they long to see, yeah, God face to face. But for them, what that means is, I long to see Jesus. Um, and and I think what they what they're trying to say when they say that is, um, well, Jesus is is the ultimate sacrament of God, and and there's not some some other figure behind that lurking behind Jesus, as it were. You know, you you could you could view it that way, perhaps, but but many of these authors, some some more so, more emphatically so than than others again, and some of them, you know, I, I somewhat. Some some authors who don't do this quite as strongly, I, I might have some disagreements with, but 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 I was surprised how many um, throughout the history of the Christian Church uh, read this very very much Christ, in a Christ-centered fashion, and that was one of the things I've I've really come to appreciate. And it, you know, it just reminds us about the unity of the Church across space and time, right, and across traditions instead of absolutely all of our splintering. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and there are differences between East and West, and 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 you can point to certain certain um, emphases that the East has versus certain emphases that the West has, and and also you know there, there's obvious differences between say 17th century Puritans and 13th century Catholics, or, or or you know 17th century Catholics for that matter, definitely, and the differences are real, but. But there's also remarkable similarities, um, uh, certainly on this on this on this point of of, of what it is that we lo- we're looking forward to in the hereafter and what we experience through through faith. You know, I have many many Catholic friends, for example, many Catholic friends. Some of my kids are Catholic, so you know, I yeah. experience Catholicism like from close by often. And and yeah, there are differences, um, and they're real. I'm, I'm I'm very very convinced. I've become very very convinced over the years that that um, we are united in Jesus Christ um, in 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 a way that that is more important than all of our divisions, and also in a way that that I think that I'm convinced will one day trans, transcend all of our all of our divides, and and that makes those divides all the more painful today, to be sure. But but there is an underlying unity there, and you see that in this in this beautiful vision um, uh, spirituality that that these authors articulate. Now, what would you um, as we're wrapping up our time? What would you suggest? You know, maybe you could walk us through ways in which this study particularly has impacted your own personal practices. Um, you know, you mentioned the contemplative reading of scripture. But yeah, what would you suggest maybe as kind of a small step that a listener could take um, after listening to our conversation? In fairness, the answer to that depends on every individual that, that would that would think about the beatific vision and, 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 and perhaps might read the book. 
Um, <laughs> right. But one of the difficulties that people often struggle with and the kind of questions that my students often ask me and other people too is, so, so uh, it's similar to your question. And that is in today's world where, where, where things have become so mechanized and things are so technical and, and so abstract often and so, so where we're so distant from mm-hmm. each other. Um, um, what does it mean or how could I, practically speaking, you know, uh, how, how could I, quote, unquote, see God or how, how could we um, treat the world in a more sacramental way? Yeah. Um, there are practical things. They, again, they will look different for, for every individual. Um, but it's, it's as simple, I think, as when you're, when you're walking outside reminding yourself of how everything that you see around you, every inanimate object, as we call it, right? Every flower, every tree, um, the dog that you take for a walk, mm-hmm. um, your children that you play with, in, you know, in, in the afternoons when you come home, whatever it may be, um, to see God there. You know, Jonathan Edwards was one of the, one of the theologians that I, that I deal with in the book. <laughs> Jonathan Edwards, it was a theologian, 18th century theologian. It was very sacramental in his thinking. And he he saw everything that God made mm-hmm. as, as a little sacrament. Um, there's actually a lovely book whose title I forget by Gerald McDermott mm-hmm. on this that came out two years ago or so. Uh, lovely book where, where he shows that, that um, all, all the various everyday things that, that 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 Edwards encountered in his life, how, how he tried to treat those everyday things as sacraments that speak of God's presence, mm-hmm. um, because they have a purpose beyond themselves. Their essence lies beyond themselves. Their true reality lies beyond themselves. They're never just objects. They're never just the DNA. And and when you when you habitually remind yourself of that, you know, then 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 you're. You're, you're preparing for glory, I think. Oh, that's good. I love it. Yeah, it's something as simple and just average, right? To, yeah, <laughs> to absolutely. Take a walk and remind yourself Th- there's of, no the, way of the real reality. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's no way around the everyday realities because we all come home to our wife and kids or husband and kids and, 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 and or whatever. We all come home to the dog that we love. We all come home to whatever. And, and we all have our relationships. Uh, and it's in those relationships that these things happen or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 your book is just so helpful. And one, it's readable. Thank you. <laughs> you know, yeah. with, <laughs> well, <thank> with, you. <laughs> with doing so, men, so much digging, you know, through so many years of history and theology, it can be easy to get super academic. So I appreciate just the readability of the book. But, you know, it just it's so helpful to begin to think, to reimagine, you know, our world as it is, you know, um, Taylor talks right about we've, we've lost the enchantment, right. Of, of our world. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and you know, I really do think that seeing God is something that helps remember that it is enchanted, right. That we, that we in God, right. We live and move and have our being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen to that. Thank you. Yes, so thank you. Appreciate it. And as we conclude, I love to ask everybody their laundry routines. Um, so what does it look like to do your laundry and experience the blessedness of God? <laughs> yes. So 
Yeah, so when you mentioned this, just before our interview, you said, you know, this is my nod to the mundaneness of the world, as I've learned it from Kathleen Norris. Yeah. And honestly, you know, I, I have to confess that that your question about, about laundry um, practices <laughs> uh, just makes clear how I don't take the mundaneness of the world seriously whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I toss my, my laundry in the laundry basket in our bedroom, mm-hmm. and my wife does the laundry, mm-hmm. and I do nothing mm-hmm. about it whatsoever. <laughs> so... So it's totally unsacramental, totally non-enchanted. There's nothing there. <laughs> That's so, okay. We all have growth areas. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yes, I suppose yes. that is a good thing. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, thank you for your time and for your good work um, and your encouragement to see the world as it is. Um, no, thank you for yeah. having me, Ashley. It was, uh, it was very good chatting and I hope it's somewhat helpful. Blessings yes. to you. Thank you. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Hans Borsma. You can find out more about him and his teaching work and other writings at the link in the show notes, as well as pick up a copy of his book, Seeing God. We hope that it is something that will help remind you of the sacramental nature of our world and that we we will get to experience even a little bit of what it looks like to live happy and blessed and what it might look like to see God. I want to leave you with one small step, and I'm taking it directly from my guest. He recommended going on a walk, moving your body, paying attention to the created world, to remember it's not simply an inanimate object, but all of life can be sacramental. All can be a way to experience heaven right now. So as you pass a tree, as you look at a flower, as you pay attention even to the dirt or people that pass you as you go on a little walk. I hope that you will re-remember that all of life is sacred and at all points to God and to knowing him. Thanks, friends, for being here. If you have not yet subscribed, would you please go ahead and subscribe to the Finding Holy podcast. We have so many great guests and conversations about what it means to live an ordinary holy life in your particular sphere. Remember, friends, big things matter, but so does your laundry. This episode is brought to you in part by the Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries podcast. Do you want to grow in your influence? Bow's episodes feature tips for leaders of any kind, from mentoring one woman to leading a ministry. Browse Bow's podcast at beyondordinarywomen.org.